Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Ashley Hamer. And I'm Natalia Reagan. Today you'll learn about whether barnyard animals, or house dinosaurs in my case, can sense an earthquake before it hits, why young folks are more prone to deja vu, and how the software that helped us reach the moon was literally woven by hand. Let's weave some curiosity. It's really hard to predict an earthquake. We humans still have basically no idea at all how to do it. But people have long noticed that some animals seem to act differently in the days and hours leading up to a tremor. So a team of scientists recently came up with a way to use relatively new technology to see if a few barnyard test subjects did, indeed, behave differently before the ground started to shake. The results are weak, but promising. That whole business of not being able to predict earthquakes makes them a hard phenomenon to study. But luckily for researchers, an earthquake is usually followed by several additional rounds of seismic activity. That's why when a powerful earthquake shook central Italy in October 2016, the scientists behind this study high-tailed it to the region. They brought a set of instruments called biologgers that contained sensors that detect and record movement. They arrived less than a day after the earthquake and attached the biologgers to several farm animals. And then they waited. The trip turned out to be worth their while. There were more than 18,000 tremors and another significant quake in the months that followed. After crunching all that data and comparing the animals' movement patterns to the timing of the quakes and tremors, the researchers reported a small but noticeable pattern. The animals consistently moved in an unusual way before rumbling began but only if they were housed in a stable, and only if the researchers took all of their activity into account. You wouldn't be able to predict an earthquake on, say, one cow's behavior. Still, they say that the results are reliable enough that future researchers might be able to make short-term earthquake predictions by continuously tracking the movement of groups of animals. Not all scientists are convinced, though. Skeptics say the behavior of a few animals after one set of events in one location isn't enough evidence to support the claims. The researchers themselves admit that their studies suffered from typical barnyard attrition. Neither the chickens nor the turkeys survived the holiday season. But this may be an important first step toward larger, better controlled studies in the future. When it comes to predicting earthquakes, maybe animals hold the key. Or, in Natalia's case, house dinosaurs? Do your chickens actually predict earthquakes, Natalia? Well, considering I live in Brooklyn, New York, they haven't yet. However, since you and I both are from California and I actually might move back there and bring my house dinosaurs, maybe we can, we can do our own little small sample size study of whether Carol and Jeanette can actually predict a trembler. I love it. I think you need science chickens. That's what you need. It's great. Right. And I also thought it was funny when they were like unusual behavior. I mean, were they interpretive dancing? Were they just, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, What constitutes unusual barnyard animal behavior? That is a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> You've probably experienced deja vu at some point in your life. That feeling where an experience feels more familiar than it should. 70% of people have experienced this feeling. But it turns out most are between 15 and 25 years old. The reason why is mysterious, but it could shed some light on why deja vu happens in the first place. Oh, and before we continue, deja vu literally means already seen in French. Ooh la la. Deja vu is incredibly complex, and we still can't fully explain it. Scientists notice that feelings of deja vu often occur right before someone has a temporal lobe seizure. 
which could be a clue as to where it's happening in the brain. Others think it has to do with wish fulfillment or past life experience. Answers are murky at best. Scientists may not be able to explain its cause, but they can describe its frequency, and that frequency is highest in young people. Various studies have found that the percentage of people who report experiencing deja vu hovers around 70 to 80% for people in their teens and 20s, but drops to 50 to 60% in people beyond that age. And that frequency is highest in young people. Various studies have found that the percentage of people who report experiencing deja vu hovers around 70 to 80% of people in their teens and 20s, but drops to 50 to 60% in people beyond that age. So does that mean there are babies out there with an eerie feeling that they've ate these exact same mashed carrots? Probably not. Researchers think that the human brain isn't mature enough to make it happen until a person is eight or nine years old. It's possible this higher incidence of deja vu in younger people might be an artifact of culture rather than biology. Studies show that the total number of people who believe in deja vu has increased over decades. So the fact that older people are less likely to report deja vu experiences could just be because they believe in it less. Still, if it is biological, why would young people have more experiences of deja vu than older people? After all, older people have more memories that can go on the fritz. It may mean that deja vu is actually the sign of a healthy mind, not an unhealthy one. The difference between a real memory and deja vu is that moment when you realize you shouldn't be having this feeling of recognition. That realization may be the thing that older brains lose. Maybe older people have deja vu just as much as younger people, but they're worse at spotting the difference between a real memory and a mind glitch. I almost got deja vu reading that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's interesting, though. I wonder if we could go back and do this study again 20 years from now, how those people in their 20s experienced deja vu then. Totally. Oh, man, I hope they do that study. Yeah. Do you ever get deja vu? All the time. I Yeah. I mean, but I think... I think I got it a lot more when I was younger. I'm in my mid 30s at this point and uh yeah, I don't get it as much. I wonder if we don't get it so much as we get older just because it's like we just assume, ah, I've probably done this before because you've done everything. <laughs> yeah. Right, totally. You've probably heard that the first moon landing was achieved with the computing power of a calculator. But what you may not know is how those computers were programmed. The guidance software on the Apollo missions was literally woven by hand. It was called core rope memory, and it's gonna blow your mind. In the 1960s and 70s, computers were big. Think massive, heavy tape drives or devices that relied on rows upon rows of paper punch cards. Considering that every extra gram adds expense to a space launch, computers like this weren't gonna work for the Apollo missions. The technology they needed would have to be not only lightweight enough to avoid weighing down the spacecraft, but also robust enough to avoid being destroyed by extreme temperatures or power failures. The solution? Core rope memory, a form of memory made by hand-weaving wires through tiny magnetic rings. All computer programs are basically a series of ones and zeros, known as binary. The workers who wove core rope memory encoded ones by passing a wire through a magnetic ring and zeros by passing the wire around it. Since they literally encoded each one and zero by hand, the manufacturing process was slow, tedious, and prone to error. But in the end, this woven memory helped humans finally reach the moon. NASA engineers would sometimes refer to this memory as LOL memory for little old lady 
Whether they were actually old or not is unclear, but the workers responsible for the software were mostly women, as was their leader, the now legendary computer scientist Margaret Hamilton. Hamilton's contributions to the Apollo software may have saved missions, in fact. It was her idea to program in emergency warnings and error correction in case of a computer malfunction. That came in handy during Apollo 11, which was the first flight to land humans on the moon. It might have aborted the landing if Hamilton's programming in a hand-woven bundle of software hadn't saved the day. Man, that's one hell of a quilt. (laughs) (laughs) So let's recap what we learned today. First, we learned that barnyard animals might actually sense earthquakes based on their distinct movements preceding a trembler. But it sounds like more research is needed since many of their tasty subjects didn't survive the holidays. You know, I... I might uh, have to do this with Carol and Jeanette, like I mentioned, but fortunately, I haven't eaten chicken since 1995, so they'll survive the winter. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, that's a, that's a long time. I always tell them, you never know, though, you know, at any given moment, you know, they better watch their butts. Just kidding. I'm not going to eat them. <laughs> They're more than just nuggets to me. Aw. And we learned that younger people are more likely to experience deja vu, though it's unclear if it's biological or if it's cultural or if older brains are just unable to detect that those familiar feelings aren't actually real memories. I feel like this isn't common knowledge that younger people experience deja vu more than older people. And it's kind of amazing to me. I think so. Growing up, I had a lot of friends that were into tarot. And in fact, my great aunts in Scotland, they lived before I was born, but they were actually run out of the country for being mediums. Yeah, yeah. So I remember hearing a lot that children are more perceptive. You know, they're the ones that always, you know, the sixth sense. It was Haley Joe Osmond that was seeing dead people. It's always the kids that are touched with this sort of connection to the either afterlife or past lives. So Even as a scientist, I can relate to that idea that kids are a little bit more open to perceiving certain feelings. And as we get older, we become more cynical and critical thinking adults. Totally possible. I love seeing parents on Twitter share the weird things that their kids say. And sometimes they'll like they'll talk about the future as (laughs) if it's the past or they'll talk about people they've never met, but act like they're just, you know, buddies. And it's kind of. It can get creepy, I will say. Oh, yeah. I remember a good friend of mine, her mother passed away six months after her first son was born, but he would have conversations with his grandma all the time. Wow. You know, and it gives you goosebumps because you're like, oh, okay. And they would wave and say hi. And who who are you waving to? Grandma. (laughs) (laughs) It's beautiful because I think she was striving for that connection to her mother. And I don't I don't blame her for for leaning into it and wanting to experience it. And even again, as a scientist, I do find there's certain things that are not explained. Finally, we heard about how handwoven software helped get astronauts to the moon, which is very impressive knitting. I've never (laughs) knitted a thing. And imagine being that person that was like, oh, yeah, I knit, got people to the moon. Boom. (laughs) Like, how cool are they in their knitting club? (laughs) Seriously, man, this is this is This is one of the most amazing things I've ever learned about the Apollo missions. I cannot believe that this stuff was woven by hand. It's just, oh, it's incredible. Totally blows my mind. Yeah. And early computers and just all the things that went into it. I mean, they were building these things from scratch. This is how it all started. And I think that oftentimes you hear people dismissing women's work as being kind of just sort of an afterthought and like, well, the the men's work is a real work. And it's like, I'm sorry, you know, things like knitting, which provides warmth for everyone, but also the software to get people to the moon. Woof, that's huge. 
I mean, the engineers called it little old lady memory. Like they they <laughs> knew what they were doing. <laughs> Today's stories were written by Ashley Hamer and Grant Curran and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Script writing was by Natalia Reagan and Sonia Hodgen. Today's episode was edited by Natalia Reagan. Our producer is Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.